bring your coffee. Bring your donuts. Bring your bodies. I love what the, the Holy Spirit does, how he's so interactive with us, loves to hang around, loves to be with us, loves to talk to us, loves to lead us, direct us, help us. And I love the things that as we've read the gospel and all about Jesus and the things he did, how he only did what he saw the Father doing. He didn't just do what he wanted to do, but he was always in looking to hear what God would be saying. Did it ever bother you the time that he went to the, the pool of healing and he only prayed for one person? Did that, does that ever bother you? That all the people came to get healed and he only touched one person. What I was left with me as relates to that is that God knows exactly what he wants to do, when he wants to do it, how he wants to do it. And my only thing is to be where he wants me to be at the moment he wants to do something. That's where I need to be and not concerned about, God, should I give you some good information and leadership skills, right? Because I don't have them. And he's really good about doing the things that he'd like to do in our lives. When Jesus, just before leaving, he commissioned all of the disciples in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, and I'm not going to read that whole thing. But the last thing he says, teaching them, meaning the disciples, meaning people that these guys would interact with, these women would interact with, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Now, what are all the different things that he commanded them to obey? Another way of saying it is, Jesus was saying, well, go and do all the things you saw me doing. You go and do those. But actually, um, when we think about it, he really gave a lot of information early on about what it was he wanted to have happening. So what did he expect them to do? What's his, what would he like to see us be involved in doing in our lives? Well, if we said, well, he wants us to love. Well, that's, that's, that's right. And if you wanted to take that and say that's like an umbrella, the umbrella of God over people, because that's the only thing God really cares about are people. He doesn't care about the stuff we've stored in the garage that we have, you know, yard sales over and things like that. He doesn't care about all that stuff. It's just about the people, the hearts of people. So when he said to go and do all the things you've seen me doing and express this love, what were some of the things that he's talking about? And he, in his opening message in Luke 4, 18 and 19, let's see, Cameron, 
if you could put Luke 14 and 19 up. The, this was his original opening statement, and I'm not going to read it because you guys have it up there, but I just want to point out a few things as relates to it. He says, preach good news to the poor. In other words, cheer people up. Give them some reason to be cheerful. Give them the news that creates and changes something for them. Because the word actually is talking about, what this is, uh, the picture of it is a beggar cringing. Somebody who is unfed spiritually. They have not been fed. They don't know what it's about. And so he's saying, cheer them up with good news. Because they're like a beggar cringing and don't know what to get or how to get it. So he's saying, by you, you go and do this. You've watched me do it, now you go and do it. Then he talks about the fact, the next thing is freedom for prison, from freedom for prisoners. What are people bound up in? A, a, a person that is bound up like this, you don't, you don't normally see them holding themselves like this, but what is happening are there are things about that have happened in their lives where they are bound, where there is an, a place where things have happened to them through people, through situations, through traumas, all kinds of things, and they are bound. And he's saying, come along and bring freedom. Where does the freedom come from? Yeah. Sometimes we can see it, sometimes we can't see it. Sometimes he may say, I'd like you to do this or I'd like you to do that. But what he's saying is that we have, what? Authority. Jesus gave us authority and his power to actually bring freedom, break bondages, break things in people's lives. And then he says, recovery of sight for the blind. And the picture here is, have you ever seen a, a, a person that is partially blind or blind, and you've seen that little, sort of a, a milky look over, over their eyes? And this is what this word, as relates to sight, implies. That there is something that they're not able to see. Something where they cannot see God. There are things so crowding into their life, there are things that have devastated them, or whatever it may be, but they are unable to see God. And he's saying, come. Do you remember the time that, <clears throat> that uh, Paul, or Saul at the time, became Paul? He's coming to go to Damascus. And what happens to him? He got blinded. And for three days, he spent this deep anguish in prayer. And God, what have I done? Because that whole time, the Spirit of God is speaking to him. Sometimes, continue with that and look at what Ananias did. That is one of the most interesting dialogues that Ananias has with God and that we can participate in in the very much the same way. But what happened for Paul? His sight was restored. The opaqueness, the inability. Had, had, he, had he ever seen Jesus prior to this? No, he didn't have any idea who he was. Oh, he knew about this guy that was directing people away from tradition, 
and the rules and the laws and all of that. But it wasn't until he gained sight that he actually was able to see. And that was when the Holy Spirit threw what Jesus had to say to him, that his sight was restored at the time that, what, Ananias came and did something. So there's this interaction of God, the Holy Spirit, and people. There's got to be people in the mix. If there aren't people in the mix, yes, we could say God can do it, but God wants to use us in the midst of doing the things he wants to get done. Then a release the oppressed. In this word, release the oppressed, the picture of it is like, I almost brought a pot this morning. Not pot, but a pot. <laughs> a vase. Because the picture is of taking a vase and throwing it on the floor and having it shatter. That's the picture here of what the word oppressed means. Broken and pieces, mind, body, or spirit, and that God wants to come and do something about that. He wants to bring healing. And the last was proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. It's like a herald. You know, in the, uh, in the, do any of you watch English movies, English things, and the herald gets up there and it blows the trumpet and all of that? Well, that's what it's like. Proclaim like a herald, the year of the Lord's favor, which means the kingdom of God, the reign of God has come. When we speak of the kingdom, Jesus talked about the kingdom of lot in different ways. One of them that has affected me is it talks about the kingdom residing in me, having the rule and the reign of God. His rule, his reign in me, not by like I'm going to beat it into you, but like I come freely to give you something of my love in an encompassing way that changes you forever. So this was the message. What did he expect them to do and us to do? What, were the, what was this love that he was talking about? All of these things with people, interaction of the disciples with people. So we see Jesus having to do the same thing, being led by the Spirit, and Jesus, in John 5, 19, he says, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. The word sees there is to behold or beware of God's presence, the spirit of God being present to lead. Beware of this. So Jesus didn't do anything other than by the leading of God. He also said in, in John 5, 5.30, by myself I can do nothing. Now, I'm not going to go into a, a sidetrack about the incarnateness of God in Jesus and so forth, but think about that. Incarnate Son of God on earth, I can do nothing of, by myself. So where does that, what does that say to us? It tells us, doesn't it, that we need the Spirit of God leading and directing and helping us, helping us to see and to hear and to observe, that we have eyes to see, where our, our eyes are not opaque. Our spirit is not unknowing because the Spirit of God speaks to our spirit continuously. Betty and I both decided 
we want to do all the stuff Jesus did. This was years ago. When we bought in, uh, it was like falling into this pool and drowning in him. We just wanted to do everything that he was doing. A little later on, I realized that being in business myself, that um, I liked control. And I was sure that many times I had a better idea of what should be done than God did. And in 1994, he gave me a picture. Now, we're going to flash this up because this isn't exactly it, but this is, he's going to, Cameron's going to put up a 1958 Ford Thunderbird. You like that? Okay. 1994, God gives me a dream. Now, imagine that with across the top of the car, wings. Okay? There's no windshield. There's no windows. It's, it's like it was all boarded up all the way around. Okay? You can take it off now. In the stream, I'm standing at this little landing strip. It's like a little airport. And I look up, and here comes this 1958 Ford Thunderbird airplane. And it's f coming in like this. And I'm just watching it. It's this sort of bronzish, bronzious, is that a word, bronzious? I don't think so. But a bronzy gold in color. And it's coming in. I'm just watching it. Comes around. It lands. It taxis. and comes over. The door opens. This guy gets out. He says, OK, it's all yours. And so I walk over, and I get into it. There's no seat. There's no windows. And the first thing I'm looking for is some kind of a stick, you know, to steer it, or a steering wheel, or something, or pedals, or gauges, or something. And there's nothing. The whole inside is nothing other than a box, like a box. And I'm sitting in this thing, and I'm thinking, what am I going to do? And very clearly, the Lord said, it's not what you can do, it's what I can do. I want to fly this. I want you in it, and I want to fly it. If you'll let me fly your life, the things we want to do, if you'll let me do this, I can take you places that you can't ever get to. So all these years, I keep over and over, I'll get this picture. 1958 Ford Thunderbird. Now, here's airplane. Here's the deal. I want to give it to you. I want you to have it. I want you to have, I want you to get into the plane. I'm going to give it, give it away. You want the plane? Hello? Every time I'm thinking about things I want to do, this picture will flash. And it's like, Mike, what are you going to do? And it's like, you know what? I need to get in the plane. Because I want to do all the things that Jesus does. I want to heal the sick, expulse demons. I want to hear his voice. I don't want to just read about it in the book. I want to do it. I want dreams. And I want visions, because I think it's really important that there are people all around us all the time 
who are in a state of need. And that we have the ability, because of the power and the authority given us, to do something as regards something he wants to do in a person's life. And to ask him and tell him, I want to do these things. <clears throat> I want to read a little letter. <clears throat> this came from, this was in 1997. And I kept it just as a reminder to myself not to stop. And it was from a young guy named Brian Heltzley. Um, I'd been asked to come to uh, up on the coast over on, uh, it's further north. <clears throat> There's a little place called the Prodigal Project. And kids that had followed uh, Jerry uh, Garcia and the uh, Grateful Dead, they would go places. Kids would come back to San Francisco, down in Haight-Ashbury. They'd get into the little Christian coffee house. And if they thought they could really help them, they would send them up to this little camp. And there, the kids would spend weeks and weeks staying in this camp, learning about Jesus, learning about God, and getting free from their, uh, their habits and things they'd gotten into. But anyway, I was asked just to come up and do a little training, a little teaching. And I just thought, this, I wanted to read this. Hello, this is your friend from Northern California. I am just writing to say thank you again and tell you how much I and everyone here was blessed by you coming up, up here. I hope you enjoyed your time here as well, and you are always welcome to come back. Now, this is the part that meant something to me, because this letter came at a period later on. God has been stretching us. If we don't get stretched, if, if we don't risk and stretch, nothing will happen. And I'd taken a rubber band and was, you know, showing him how in order for that rubber band to really work, it had to get stretched. And he, so he says, God has been stretching us, and we have been growing as we've been praying for each other. The students have not forgotten your message. Last night, I stepped out with some words that I got, and all of them were right on. So he was in a place where he was having to get stretched. He had to get in that little 1958 Ford Thunderbird airplane and fly it with the Spirit of God. But, you know, it, it is stretching when God begins to speak to you to do something with it. Right? Risking is not, that's faith. And it is not easy. But sometimes, and over these years, we found that we will respond to something that God says, and it will have a, a, an incredible effect, not only with the person, but with others it goes out from. <clears throat> that's because he has something he wants to do. So last night I stepped out with some words I got and all were right on. Audrey was healed of a pain in her kidney the other night. Also, the students have been listening more to God's leading and seeking his guidance. So I just wanted to read that because <clears throat> these young kids, in the midst of all that they were going through, were realizing that there were others that they could pray for and love and do something with. So... <clears throat> 
Here I are here are just a, I want to share a few ways that that the Spirit of God may speak to us that maybe we might not recognize, but here are some things that often will happen. <clears throat> Excuse me. You may just suddenly get an impression of something, an impression, like one night I got this impression, go over and pray for Susie. The first thing I did was looked at Susie and thought, she doesn't look like she needs prayer. And I knew that she didn't want, and she often would leave at times when prayer was going to occur. But he said, go and do it. But it was just an impression, just this little thought, impression, just came to me like that. <clears throat> A couple of weeks ago, I had an impression, and it was to go over and pray for a person here. And I had a picture with it, but the first thing was just an impression to go and do it. And then there was a picture that accompanied it. You may get a word. Uh, when we were in Hong Kong one time, um, somebody said, oh, there's somebody here, you've got pain in your elbow. I don't recall if they saw the word pain in the elbow or what, but there was, this, it was there's somebody here with pain in their elbow. It was a long story, and I'm not going to share it, but what happened was this lady who had pain in her elbow, had injured a tendon in her arm up here, and it had atrophied her finger, her little finger. Her husband was a doctor. She went and, well, I'm shortening my story up too quick. Um, when she got prayer, as she was being prayed for, this finger popped open. She went home and told her husband about it, who was a doctor. He came to some of the meetings that night. He received Christ. Their daughter received Christ. It was it spread out from somebody that has pain in their elbow. Uh, one night, Betty, and I won't tell the story, but she got a word at a little meeting, and the word was, just came to her, phlebitis. You know what phlebitis is? It's the inflammation of, of veins in, in you, and it's, and it's not fun. When she got the word, nobody responded to it until later when the person came over and said, that's me. So you may get a word. One time I got the word broccoli. And I thought, that is, you know, God, you know, this is stretching it. <laughs> but the person was healed of lupus. I won't go through the whole story because I, I, I want to wrap up here. Um, so you may get an impression. There may be a word that comes to you. You may get a picture. Um, like one morning I got a picture of a person's jawbone. And I realized there was something going on. There was some pain, so I just said it. Um, it could be um, a picture, like one morning I saw a picture of a little boy, and he was bent over, and he was just weeping and crying. And he looked to be about like five or six years old. 
And um, it was for a man who responded to it. In all these years, there had been this pain in, in, that was going on, an emotional kind of pain that was going on. Sometimes you may get funny little pictures, uh, like uh, recently I got a picture of a merry-go-round. Now, if suddenly these kinds of things happen to you or come to you, test them. Just check them out. That's risking. You may get a scripture, just suddenly a scripture comes to you. Uh, we were in England one time, and I got the scripture, Jeremiah, one night. And I was going to be teaching the next day, and I was scared spitless. I didn't want to do it. I didn't feel like doing it. And I was supposed to be doing the teaching. And, I, and it's a long story, I won't go to it, but I looked up the scripture that night, and it talks about the Lord saying, and I will put my words in your mouth. Uh, you may uh, s suddenly feel something that is, doesn't belong to you, like an, an emotion. You're feeling, you're feeling great, all of a sudden you're feeling oppressed. Just, this, just like this weight just comes on you, like a cloud, and you're feeling oppressed. You may suddenly just feel angry. You weren't angry a minute ago, felt just great. All of a sudden you just feel this anger thing, and it's like, wait a minute, that's not me. Somebody here, not Aunt Maud back in Missouri, but somebody right here, right now, something is going on where they're oppressed or there's anger or sadness or something like this. Or it could be a person that just suddenly the joy of the Lord comes on them. And it's accompanied by laughter. So, but you might see or feel these things. Or you may have a physical sensation of pain that's not yours. It's not your pain, it's somebody else's pain. And so it's like saying, is somebody here, are you experiencing this? And so I could tell you a lot of stories and things like that. But the, the thing that I want to wind up with here is that God speaks to us. The Spirit of God speaks to us. He wants us to interact with him. He wants us to go and do all the things that he did, that he demonstrated doing, and for us to be involved with him in doing those things. So let's all stand. There may be, I could give a word right now, and that there's a numbness in one part of the lower part of your body coming from sitting in that chair too long. <laughs> so if, if what I've talked about, if what I've shared is something that you want to do, if you want pictures and words and visions and dreams, and if you want to pray for the sick, and, if, and I want to tell you, the Lord's already told me there are there's a, a lot of sense of timidity here this morning. It's timidity. You're willing in your mind, your body doesn't want to move over with it. 
And so if, like, if that's you, he wants to bring a freedom. He wants to bring a release in that area. Also, the Lord said, uh, I, I just had this word, and it was about fear. There's something going on in some of you that has to do with fear about something. I, he did not tell me what it was, just there's something going on. And um, so there's that. There's uh, also physical, for physical healing. I really sense that there's like, um, I've, this isn't my pain, but I've got some pain right here now. This part of my back, right down in here, I've got some pain coming through there. And if you are experiencing that and want some prayer for that, now, here's what I want to do. I want to ask the Holy Spirit to come, and then I want to ask him to give you any pictures, words, uh, anything that he wants to tell you, and then I'm going to give you an opportunity, if something comes to you, to share it. It can be physical healing. It can be something emotional you're sensing. It can be whatever, he, anything he's, he's saying. Nobody, er, the only way we learn is by risking. Okay? So, Lord, we thank you for Jessica coming and sharing this morning about your coming and touching and healing and bringing your presence. Holy Spirit, would you just come right now We just welcome you. If your arms are crossed, hold your hands out in front of you like you might get something. And then I'll tell you why I have you do that. It's, it's, it, this doesn't increase the ability for you to get more. But sometimes, <laughs> yeah, sometimes what happens is we are so anxious and get so nervous, we clasp ourselves. We clasp our hands. We clasp our, you know, that's the only reason I do that. The Holy Spirit, just come. anyone is feeling heat in their hands. It's often a sign of healing. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for coming. Just more of your presence, Lord. More of you. And Jesus, to the fear, 
In the name of Jesus, I break the power of that right now. I tell it to lift, to leave. In your name, Jesus. Lord, also remind me, he said, there are some of you who have been disappointed. There's been some disappointment. And he would bring hope. He would change that. Now, I just want to stop for a moment. Just um, everybody can open their eyes. <clears throat> Holy Spirit doesn't mind being interrupted. Yeah. We, we can just do this, you know, because he's always here. Okay, I just want to ask, uh, did any of you have a word or a picture or something come to you? Anything come to you? Yes. And say it louder. That's good. Thank, thank you. Yeah. Yes. Now you have to say it louder. I've got your past, I've got your future, you're safe. Well, I guess that was one way to get her to talk, right? Aunt Maud from Missouri. <laughs> That's good. Somebody else. Anybody else want to share? Yeah. Blue Dove. Okay. Good, thank you. Thank you, Jack. Something going on over there? Yes. You have to say it louder. It's good. That's good, Chris. 
Okay. Yes. Can you hear him over here? Yeah, it's good because it's for the gentleman in the blue plaid back in the back for you. Yeah. The one that turned looked the other way. <laughs> okay, so, yes, Christy, real loud. Chronic what? Chronic fatigue. Okay, everybody put their hands out once more, We're closing up shop. Lord, thank you. Come and bring healing. And as we pray for each other, Heal our bodies, our minds, and our spirits. Thank you for coming in with us and being with us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like prayer, <clears throat> turn to somebody around you and say, hey, I need prayer. I've got pain in my back. I've got whatever it is, whatever you want prayer for. And if you've got chronic fatigue, go back and See Christy back, back there, and she will pray for you. And um, God bless you. We don't have to pick up the chairs. Uh, everybody have a great day today. Visit, pray for one another. Don't leave without praying for one another.